0: Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side. Plus, all the folks at Fried, the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried, the Burnout Podcast. Hey, Fried Fam. If you're new to Fried, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, also welcome. This episode is a slight departure from what we normally focus on around here. Fried is focused on burnout recovery, which really must be engaged in by the person experiencing burnout. When you are burnt out, you have to do the recovery. So that's why we focus so much on the individual around here. Companies deciding to make changes when you are already experiencing burnout are probably not going to help you recover all that much. However, companies that make sure to have great environments might help you avoid burnout in the first place. So most of the time we focus every episode on you, not because we don't understand that environments matter, not because we don't understand that your working environment is important, your boss is important, having colleagues at work is important, simply because we know that once you are already in a burnt out state, you are going to need to do it with some help, hopefully. but it's going to still be your responsibility, right? Like the the things that are changing outside will help your long term recoverability. But those initial stages, you've really got to invest in yourself. However, that being said, I was recently asked if I could do an episode about the basics of what I do with companies when I'm working with them on a coach slash consultant basis to help improve their burnout proofing, help improve their culture. I want to be Super clear as I start this episode. I want this to be really obvious right from the get-go. I do believe that companies have some serious work to do, and I also believe that as individuals, we sometimes inadvertently and unwittingly add to burnout culture because of certain behavior patterns that have gone unexplored and unnoticed. I'm not blaming anybody for this. I don't think this is anybody's fault. I think this is actually part of culture and still the things that we've internalized and carry with us. We're all throwing on fuel onto the burnout fire together. The behavior patterns that sort of help create burnout culture are sometimes really exploited by the systems that we work in. And sometimes that exploitation is intentional. More often, though, I find that we're all just repeating shit that should have been upgraded by now, and we're stuck in cycles together that aren't shifting because of a lack of really true awareness and or, if we have the awareness, how to actually move forward. This is one of the reasons I really love Gen Z. Gen Z is not putting up with this shit, so it will have to change if businesses are going to survive and have any employees because Gen Z is like, I'm not playing that game, which is amazing. But what is what is it exactly that needs to change? What can be done differently? What can companies do and what can companies not do? What are companies not responsible for? I'm going to start with that actually. Let's talk about what companies cannot do. A company or a business cannot be responsible for shifting lifelong patterns that you have attached to development or trauma that are coded in your brain. For example, I'm going to put that in plainer language. As a Personally, as a people pleaser and a perfectionist, a boss could have told me that I could do less and I would have never listened. A boss could have told me that what I was passing in was good enough and I would have pushed harder next time. I have never trusted that simply doing 100% of my job was enough. On top of that, I needed everyone to like me and everyone to be happy with me and to never give anyone ammunition for saying anything negative about me ever, which... As you age, you realize A matters less and B is going to happen no matter what you do or say. I have had complaints come in about things that I've never even said. So you can't really control people's behavior in that way, and that's fine. But what we need to understand is that the things we carry into a business as individual people A business cannot shift for us. A manager cannot shift for us. Your manager is not your therapist or your coach, even though they are bringing in more coach-like attributes into leadership development right now, which I think is a fabulous idea. And yet still, there are things that are not going to shift without your own input and your own awareness. So if you have natural people-pleasing and perfectionist tendencies those are probably going to happen until you choose to do something about it. A business or a company can't do that for you. So that's number one. Number two, a business or a company cannot know all of the ways to motivate you and cannot meet all of your needs if you are not super obvious and blatant about them. And even if you are super obvious and blatant about them, they might not be able to meet every need. Because some of the things that you need might be things that businesses can't give, either legally or for a sense of fairness, you know? If you have, for instance, like a need to leave every Tuesday at 4 p.m., and you're afraid to ask to leave at 4 p.m., and you wanna be able to do it sort of without people noticing, and you think you can sort of sneak away and, and kind of disappear into the night, pull what is known in my area of the world, pull an Irish goodbye, just sort of leave without saying anything to anyone. You might find yourself like making weird excuses while you're not able to be on calls and ghosting people in the office so you can get away with leaving thinking that no one's going to notice. But what happens when you don't speak up clearly about what you need is that it creates a breakdown of trust. And this systemically leads to more bureaucracy for everyone because there's no trust, which in turn further breaks down trust. And trust is a huge component in a company for preventing burnout. The more we trust each other to have each other's backs and to work together to solve problems, the easier everything is. So if you're not really obvious about what you need, you're very unlikely to get that need met. But those of us that burn out have a hard time knowing what we need so we don't ask for things because we don't know what we need. So this is one of those times where I find one-on-one coaching to be especially useful. I almost said especially and I really dislike that. So (laughs) especially useful. I find it especially useful in those cases because you do need sometimes help. You need a mirror. You need someone to be sitting across from you, letting you work out and figure out asking the right questions so that you can learn what it is you're actually looking for, what your needs really are, and then how you can go about asking for them. I needed someone to reflect these things back to me. This is not something I learned to do on my own. And it's something that I still hire coaches for even today, because sometimes you just need that outside perspective to be like, oh, yeah, that part, I forgot about that part. And the last one I already sort of mentioned is a business cannot meet all of your needs. Just like a spousal relationship can't meet all of your needs and not every friendship meets all the same friendship needs, a company cannot meet every single need that you have. And we have started to put a lot of pressure on companies to meet all of our needs and to always be there and to always. And that's not necessarily the way to go about it. So you might have some requests along the way that can't be met. This does not, contrary to popular belief, make the company that you work for evil. <laughs> Sometimes those needs are so important that it is worth it for you to change jobs to a company that can meet the needs that you have. Sometimes you need to do that. But just because one company can and another company can't doesn't mean one company is good and the other one is bad. It just means one company is a better fit for you right now and the other company is a worse fit for you right now. and that's fine. We don't have to add a morality clause to it. We can just call it like it is and move on. Sometimes businesses can't meet your needs because there's some sort of legality attached. Sometimes it increases unfairness and unfairness is on the list of top six reasons that people burn out in a company. So the more unfairness that is at play from pay gap equity to different advancement possibilities, etc. the more unfairness we see, the worse things get for everybody. So if granting your need is going to advance you and put you in a much privileged position over everybody else in the company, it doesn't actually behoove the company at large to meet that need because it makes it more dangerous for everyone else around you. And meeting every single person's needs that go outside of the box becomes really complicated. So it's not as simple, I think, as um, some people assume. (laughs) If you keep asking for something in a company that you're consistently not getting, even if you think that thing is doable, but they're not budging, your job at that point is to recognize that you're not in a place where your needs can be met and you're going to have to move to a different spot. You might need to look for a place that can support you the way that you need. So those are things that businesses cannot do. But what Can they do? I've found over time that the thing that is most important, the thing that is the base of all the other work, is that a business can actively work on increasing psychological safety. Now, psychological safety is vastly misunderstood. Psychological safety does not mean that you can say whatever you want to whoever you want, whenever you want, and not get any flack for it. Psychological safety means that you can share and you can speak up and it might start a discussion, but that things will not get nasty. You won't throw barbs at each other. There's room for growth and for discussion and for understanding. Psychological safety means that things can get uncomfortable and not get mean or vindictive. A lot of people like to assume that psychological safety means that we create a sense of comfort for everybody, that everybody feels safe and comfortable all the time. No, 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 no. The true measure of psychological safety is when something feels unsafe and you're still able to do it in a positive way and it's met with curiosity instead of judgment and, and like pushback, right? So psychological safety teaches us that, that we belong, that our voices can be heard, and that there's not going to be a lot of you know, pushback on things. It also means that we have a sense that people in the company, our bosses, our managers, and our coworkers have our backs, that if we happen to fail at something, that it's not going to be the end of the world, we're not going to get screamed at, we're not going to lose our jobs for every mistake. There are some mistakes that we should lose our jobs for. And yet, most of the time, that's not true. Everybody's going to make a mistake at some point. So when I say increasing psychological safety, I don't mean that you will automatically feel really good about everything that you have to speak up about. It means that when you don't feel good about speaking up, you're able to speak up anyway because you've been shown time and time again that it's kind of okay. That being said, if you are not a person that feels safe, even within that, you're still unlikely to speak up. So this is where... The business has to do some work to increase inclusion, but you also have to choose to show up and and face the discomforts and challenge yourself to grow within the company as well. So... I just want I want you to understand that almost everything that deals with burnout is some sort of relational issue. It's not just you. It's not just a job. It's not just the environment. It's not just the culture. It's how each of us interacts with each of those elements and that relationship, that flow or lack of flow between us and the things that we're interacting with. So how does a business work on increasing psychological safety? One of my favorite books on this is called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety by Timothy R. Clark. And he tells us that the first stage, the foundation, the most basic need, the thing that absolutely must be there before anything else is inclusion and belonging. In a LinkedIn post, Timothy provided these five ways to increase inclusion. Number one. Listen with the intent to comprehend rather than the intent to respond. So this means we are really paying attention to one another. We are watching and checking our own defensiveness. We are asking more questions than we are making assumptions. This is actively engaging in conversation with people so that we understand and can be understood. This is work. This is not easy. And this the business needs to model this in the leadership, but then we need to do it too as the employees and the workers. So again, we're back to this relational place. Like if only the leadership is doing it, it's not gonna help. If only the people are doing it, it's also not going to help. We need it to come, what we call in um, neurochemistry, like top down and bottom up. Top down means from the brain down to the body, and bottom up means the brain, the the body back up to the brain. This works the same way in a company. Things need to come top down and go bottom up. We need to have that that two way co- um, conversation going. So number first way to increase inclusion safety is to listen with intent to comprehend, rather than intent to respond. Number two is ask questions twice as much as you give answers. So this really still ties into number one. This is being curious. This is getting clarity. This is making sure that you understand the intent of the person across from you and that they understand their own intent. Sometimes you ask a few questions and somebody's like, oh, actually you just changed my mind on this thing that I've been talking about because I hadn't thought about that part, right? So asking questions, be curious. Number three is avoid comparison and competitions. This can be really dangerous because we are so, we we compare, ourselves to other people just so naturally. And our bosses are gonna compare us to one another naturally too. So this is a natural inclination that we have to override on purpose in order to recognize each person as they are, to recognize what their strengths are, and to increase your ability to stay connected with them through their uniqueness and through their value that they bring to the table. But this is something that has to be like actively worked on because it goes against our biology. The next thing on the list is express gratitude and appreciation for your team members often and with empathy. I'm going to jump into that a little bit more later because I have a lot to say about it. And the last one is identify your negative biases, both conscious and and unconscious. This again requires some serious work. You have to know whether you have internalized tendencies to other people that are different than you in some way, shape, or form. And if you're not actively doing work on this, I promise you there are people that you other without meaning to. It doesn't make you a bad person. I'm sure there's no malintent, but you grew up in a culture that told you that some people were more important than others, and if you haven't done work to dismantle that, you're gonna be stuck in that system and adding to burnout culture. All of these actions are actions that must be practiced regularly and forever. They do not become automatic. They are not built in and they are not always natural to most people. And there is a whole biochemical backing for this that I could get into in another episode. But trust me when I tell you that neurochemically, we have to actively work against our human nature in order to create a safe environment for people. It's not natural or easy, it's extra work which is why it's often not done. These five actions that Timothy Clark mentions require effort and implementation and a constant reminder that they are priorities. So they should be baked into a mission statement, baked into values statements, and modeled continuously through leadership in order for them to make a difference. Now, if these things are practice, are you guaranteed to feel safe and will your coping mechanisms drop completely? Some people might have this experience where they're able to really like be themselves immediately because of things that they see happening in the, their environment and some people will not have that experience. This the the degree to which this is evident in each person is connected to how self-identified we are with our coping mechanisms and what our developmentally built-in ability to trust is like. So if you learned as a child that people were not trustworthy, then people could be working on the psychological safety day in and day out, and you won't trust that it's real. And so you won't show up. You still won't show up fully. You still won't unmask. You still won't participate in the way that helps everyone because you're nervous about it actually being truthful. In that kind of place, instead of coaching, I really do recommend therapy. That's something that needs to be worked through um, in order for you to be able to really flourish even in your own personal life. So this is not just about you at work, but this is just about you while you're here in a physical form on this planet. Um, It's a really useful thing to work through trust issues. All right. Now, I said I wanted to jump into the gratitude. I don't usually do straight from Kate's that are this long, but we're going to we're just diving in today, folks. The fourth way to increase inclusion that Clark mentioned was expressing gratitude and appreciation. This, again, is one of the top six factors that contribute to job burnout, the absence of recognition and praise. That means that this is a particular suggestion that I am often implementing when I'm working with a company. Giving recognition and praise takes a little more effort than you might think. Just giving an at a girl or a hey, thanks is never going to cut it. The recognition and praise that really makes a difference is recognition and praise that shows the receiver that you truly see them validate their value and their work truly seeing someone, truly seeing their value add, truly noticing their impact, this is when gratitude makes a difference. For instance, and I say this from the stage all the time, it makes people laugh. Say, I come in and do a keynote for your company and smash it. Everybody's happy, which is never true. There's There's always somebody in the crowd that's not happy, but everybody's happy. And afterwards, you come up to me and you say, great job, and walk away. I'll likely say thank you and just move on. There's no big emotional reaction here. It hasn't changed my biochemistry or yours. It hasn't influenced any neuronal firing in my brain. It's just a statement made in passing, and it's pleasant, but it doesn't actually have that much of an effect on what's happening. Now, I want you to think about, on the other hand, I came in and did a keynote for your company. And afterwards, you came up to me and you said this, wow, Kate, when you talked about how the brain changes in burnout, it really shifted how I think about it and how I'm gonna treat people in the future that are experiencing it. It was really surprising and really impactful for me. Thank you. If you say something like that to me, I'm probably gonna have an explosion of happy chemicals flood through my body and allow me to actually really feel that what I did made a difference. This is true for you and for everybody else too. The more specific the feedback, the more obvious it is, the more we can physically feel the shift that it offers. I want you to think about the last time somebody really showed true appreciation for you. They didn't just say thanks. They said, I notice you, I see you. What you're doing really matters. You really matter. I want you to notice in your body what happens when I say that. You really matter. What you do really matters. Your impact is noticeable. Your work really makes a difference I'm not even being that specific, and I promise that there's a lot of you listening right now whose shoulders just dropped, who were able to take a deeper breath, and who felt better. Now I want you to imagine what would happen in a company if every single person at that company was getting feedback like that on a fairly regular basis, let's say once a week. What do you see as the shift that would happen if everybody knew how valuable they were? What do you think is possible from just this one minor change? How does this shift a company's culture? How do people feel about their work? What energy are they bringing to the office or to Zoom rooms or to Microsoft's team meetings that might be different from what it was before? Feedback, positive feedback, clear feedback, generous feedback is one of the best ways That a company can shift away from burnout culture in a short period of time. Again, this is not supernatural. This is something that needs to be acted on on purpose, especially with people that you don't always notice their work as much, that you don't necessarily think that what they do is super impactful. But if you start looking for it on purpose and saying it on purpose, not only do you increase their ability to feel good in their jobs, but you increase your own vision of how other people are impactful, which allows you to believe that you are impactful. This is a, I help me, I help you, I help the company, I help the company, I help you, I help me. It's just a win, win, win all around. So this is the kind of work that I do when I'm in a company. I usually come in and do a series of keynotes followed by some either group coaching or some open-ended ask me anything sessions um, where people can, after a session that I do, they'll come in and ask whatever they want for an hour. Um, I do do a lot of coaching with leadership teams. So if you are in a company that needs shifts like this, please let them know that I exist because I am booking out for 2024 and I want to make as much of an impact as possible. All right, Fried Fam. Talk to you next time. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried, the Burnout Podcast, with Kate Donovan.